0: Welcome to Fandom and Wellness, a podcast about the complex relationship between fandom and mental
1: health. Disclaimer, we are not psychiatrists or psychologists. We are just fangirls with a vested interest in mental health. I'm Arkita. I'm Jenny. And I'm Danielle. Today we have Whitney Newman on to talk about drag. Hi everyone. Hello. <laughs> hey. So we'd like
0: to ask all our guests what pronouns they use. The three of us use she, her, her hers and your bio says that you recognize yourself as a um, shape-shifting space lizard yes. so what are your pronouns
2: <laughs> i use they them or she her interchangeably it's like she her and kind of like the gay usage like the drag mm-hmm. usage right exactly or they them is safe either way you know okay perfect or you can call me he but i probably won't realize you're talking about me immediately so. okay <laughs> All Right. Good well, to know. As yeah. the
3: only one who might recognize as he on the podcast, then maybe you'll you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, thanks for coming on, Whitney. Uh no as problem. you know, I asked you uh to come on. We've known each other for a long time through a band that we both <laughs> oddly follow around uh the World Inferno <laughs> Friendship Society. Um Whitney has made me several uh onesies. Which are super cute. They're on her Instagram. Um, and we'll, t- we'll talk about it a little bit later. But I know that you and I both uh, suffer from really bad burnout a lot of the time. Yes. Uh, because we're both like <laughs> hardcore designers who will work throughout multiple days straight. Um, mm-hmm. So, also, I had asked when I to be on this podcast and they did not think or realize that the nerdy community cares about the drag community and so you you were like pretty surprised that I asked you to be on this so what uh made you say yes to doing this and interested you in the podcast
2: well Arkita and I were discussing a minute ago how she doesn't know anything about my world and I don't really know anything about this world so it'll be fun to reach a new audience in both directions and teach each other what we're about and what we're excited about
0: Yeah, and the two communities have more in common than you would think, probably. There
3: is a lot of overlap. Uh, I think (laughs) also I think a lot of drag queens are really nerdy.
2: That's true,
1: and I can see kind of see like the bridge between drag and cosplay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah.
2: yeah,
3: Like, like, what was the most recent effort you just made?
2: Me? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So the. Actually, this is like very on topic. The last things I made were Monet's backup dancers for her Black Panther act. <laughs> yeah. oh, yes. So. <laughs> um, um.
0: I yeah. I was at that show, yeah. and it was amazing. It was so. Aw- it looked beautiful. Thank you. And that yeah. was a that was a really good number too. <laughs> it was so awesome.
3: That was yeah. also pretty fun for me to be like, Oh, Jenny, you're going to the show. This is the uh, the designers who were interviewing. In a couple
2: days. <laughs> and I was like, what? Yeah, so in theory, I was there because I did get to go to the venue early to drop stuff off. So. I guess! <laughs> I
1: want to go out with you guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Take me with you! Oh, shameless plug, come see me at Otto's Shrunken Head, January 31st. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I
3: love that. Yeah, place. the act, the act yes. that you're doing is really, really good. It's
2: It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um yeah.
3: we're gonna talk so yes. <laughs> just to, whatever, we're gonna talk about your designs first and then you as a performer in a sure. little bit. So we would love to hear more about that in a little bit. But um Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm very new to this entire world mm-hmm. and I don't know that much about it. I, I can't I'm not gonna pretend that's to say oh yeah, I totally know what this is all about, because I don't. I have always kind of stayed in my little nerdy bubble, and this is really cool that we get to have you on, but I really want to know, like, how did you get into the drag scene and then, like, start making clothing for drag shows?
2: So I went to FIT to study fashion design, and when I... (laughs) <laughs> first started school I was like I'm gonna be the next John Galliano I'm gonna be the next Alexander McQueen I'm gonna be the next Betsy Johnson and then like around 2010 2011 I was like halfway through school and that whole section of the fashion world just collapsed oh yes like know that collapse all of that
1: you're talking about
2: all those people like had mental breakdowns or died or <laughs> went bankrupt so like and then fashion got very safe that everything See? was just neutral colors, basic silhouettes. Like it was my professors is what were it was. constantly telling me, "You have to tone down your work. Nobody's going to want to buy this. This isn't going to be sellable to any of the stores." Like I got into a fight with one of my professors once when I was doing a bridal class, and I wanted to do a pink wedding dress because I don't like white. I like, want a like, pink wedding yeah, dress. And yeah, and that's a big trend. And I brought her in several clippings from like various celebrities in the past year having pink wedding dresses and she still wouldn't let me do it so it was at that point that like I was very close to just like dropping out of school like a semester and a half before graduation because the professors just weren't understanding what I was doing at all but then for our last semester in school we do this internship program um and so I just like went to the database and searched costumes and this place, Screaming Queens Entertainment, came up. So I applied... To do my internship with them, I got in. The school was very against it. They wanted me to work at, like, an actual fashion house. Like an
1: atelier or something like that. Yeah, yeah, but
2: so then I had, like, 12 friends working at Oscar de la Renta getting coffee. Meanwhile, I was working in this weird basement in the East Village, like, actually making showgirl headdresses and repairing sequins on dresses and, like, networking and meeting all these people. And I'm the only one I know who actually got a job out of my internship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: that, I, that's a... Difficult things. I I do also work in fashion and know mm-hmm. the whole internship thing. I did my my senior year internship in an at an intimates company, but mm-hmm. I did another internship at like a couture place, and it really was just like running errands and organizing, and I didn't get to have that much hands on, mm-hmm. which I feel you know you miss out
3: on a lot of. Yeah, yeah. So mine, I did I did mine at uh, Malia Mills, which is like a niche uh, swimwear. Uh, Mm. sportswear company and I mean I I definitely like the interns did like a lot like the cutting and things like that not really any coffee getting at least yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it's just so much cooler to be Mm -hmm. able to work in a in like the exact industry that you are now (laughs) like that's amazing yeah
2: so that was my first introduction to that and it was basically I was the only employee like it's very so the business is run by former drag queen. Her name is Misunderstood. So she, like, doesn't really do drag anymore. She just manages everyone else. But, like, that's still... So she runs this whole thing. She has this whole basement full of, like, hundreds and hundreds of costumes. And then they book performers and send them out to, like, private events or publicity things. So it was my job to... Get the costumes in order, make sure they're all in good shape, do any repairs and alterations where needed, go with these performers to the gig, help them get dressed, make sure they were on set and offset when they needed to be, take pictures, document the event. So it's through there because a lot of these events, like they're only on set for an hour or two, but you have to get there several hours early, check in, set everything up, steam all the costumes, so you end up spending hours and hours with these people. And so that's how I got to network with everyone in the business and then found out that there was this hole in the market that, like, there weren't that many people making costumes for these performers in New York City. So then once I got a couple of people who noticed what I was doing and started getting work for me, then it just kind of snowballed into where I am now. That's
1: really cool. Yeah. It's really cool, actually, like, to go from... Studying and almost wanting to like, drop out of college. I know that feeling. I've had that feeling yes, where it's like the too. teachers don't want to like let you have that creative freedom. And you're like, this isn't my vision. <laughs> Going through your internship and then being mm-hmm. to where you
2: are now. And through that internship, I met before they ever got on Drag Race, like Ivy Winters, Yuha Hamasaki, Peppermint. Um, I worked with Milan like as her season was airing. Who else? Like, all of the New York Drag Race queens you know have gone through everyone. there first.
3: <laughs> not well, an overstatement. Like... Or not an overstatement. Like, you you literally know everyone in the drag community.
2: <laughs> we all know each other. Like, yes, I like to tell yes, people right. all drag queens are two degrees of separation apart. Like, <laughs> if you name any drag performer in the world, either we're Facebook friends or we're going to have mutual Facebook friends. <laughs>
0: that's awesome. Yeah. So are you, I'm a huge fan
2: of RuPaul's Drag Race. Do you, are you a huge fan as well? Or at this point, it's kind of just like work. Like I have to watch it <laughs> uh-huh. because, you know, it's my clients and my friends are on it. All of my right. clients, and my friends want to talk about it. I can't go on any of my social media until I watch it. So it's basically the only thing that I make sure to watch live. Yeah. Every
3: I, week. I've been on tours with Whitney and you have just straight up had to watch it on your phone because you're like I can't I won't be able to go on social media until I have watched this episode.
0: Yep. Well, do you at least enjoy it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's good. It's like our version um,
3: of like when Avengers comes out.
1: Yeah, I think that that's a good way of putting it because I just avoid social media when a new Marvel film comes out and I'm like, "Guess mm, I'm not going to be on the internet." Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that's awesome. And I've seen a couple of the outfits that you've made for um the drag queens on the show, but what what can you name some of the outfits that you've made for the show?
2: So the first couple things that I helped with were um the butterfly wings that Ivy Winters wore on her stilts one way. Oh yes. That was actually one of my internship tasks that I got (laughs) hours for in school. Was so she was one of the big drag costumers in the city before she got on the show. So she was making those for Screaming Queens, and then it was like part of my internship hours to go help her. There were six of them originally, and it was her, Sahara, Yuha, Logan Hardcore, two other ones, I forget. But like, <laughs> <laughs> um, So there were six of them in different colors, and they were all hand-painted, and they are huge. So I helped her with that. And then her dress that was all made out of the different photos. There were several photos that I took at events that I worked through my internship on there. Nice. (laughs) If that counts. And then the first design of mine that got on was Peppermint's top four, the big red ball gown. Yes, I
0: saw that. Oh, Mm -hmm. God, that was
2: so so gorgeous. And that I made in... Like, two and a half days of running... That's crazy. From That's... <laughs> the Garment District to Brooklyn to Harlem <laughs> to Brooklyn, going to fittings and fabric and everything else. And she was like, I have $150 in my PayPal account. What can you make me? So
0: Wow.
2: Yeah. Do
0: So, is it usually you... Spark the idea of what the dress or the outfit is gonna be, or do they come with come to you for with an idea, uh, or is it a mix of both?
2: It depends on the person. Usually, they give me some sort of idea. Like for her, she was like, "I want it to be red and gold. I want it to look kind of Elizabethan, but a little bit more modern." Mm-hmm. Um, but then sometimes people just come with an idea, like, "I want to do a rainbow clown look." Go. <laughs> okay, like- <laughs> you mean you? <laughs> A lot of people come to me, <laughs> me for that because they know that I'm good at it. Okay, okay. <laughs> nice. Um, that was season nine and nothing on season 10. I started working with Monet after the season was filmed, but before it premiered. Okay. So I made some of her stuff for some of like the premiere events, and, like sure. red carpet things, but there was nothing on the show. And then so far on the current All-Stars season, I did her entrance look, which yes, I saw that. <laughs> hasn't gotten very good reviews, but it's I, okay. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> it's, it's so cute, but it's like not like extravagant like yeah. people expect
2: it to be, I guess. Well, it's funny. I had made her two other things that she had said she was going to use for her entrance, and she didn't use either of those, and she used this other oh. thing that was originally for a tour she was doing. So, I don't Interesting know. Interesting choice. <laughs> then, I don't okay. know what made her choose that, but whatever. I, I still think it's cute. It's not what I would have chosen, but I'm not unhappy with it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I made the same episode, the little blue cover-up that went over her sponge bodysuit. suit. Um, which, that was fun, because she didn't give me the body suit, she just kind of described what it looked like, and was like, make a cover-up over it, hopefully it fits. Oh my god. <laughs> um, And then I did... When she did her top two lip sync, it was like a little mermaid bodysuit thing with a skirt that tears away. That that was one of her old tour costumes that she just brought as one of her lip sync outfits. And then I did her funeral dress, which that was funny because she gave me the prompt for that and she said, it's a campy comedy funeral-themed acting challenge. <laughs> so then when I saw what the challenge actually ended up being... <laughs> Which it was, for those who haven't watched the show, it was a roast of Lady Bunny, who is one of the major fixtures of like the 90s, early 2000s drag scene in New York City, Um, was roommates with RuPaul back when they were first starting out. So she's, you know, legendary in the scene. There's a lot of jokes about her being old and not relevant anymore. So like they literally had her on stage in a coffin. Yeah, well, roast at her, her funeral. Super cute. At her yeah. funeral, yeah. <laughs>
1: oh, wow. <laughs> okay.
2: So I, I made her a couple other things. We'll see whether they make it. I'm excited to see. Yeah. You. <laughs> and then I have a couple uh, of things on season eleven, which I can finally talk about. Yay! <laughs> which they just announced the cast earlier today.
3: Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Please talk about the Janelle Monet outfit.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I've been working a lot with honey davenport who is now in season 11 and um the story of how i got to work with her is actually a really funny like i made this post a couple weeks ago that i was like i can't wait to tell this story but i can't tell it in this post talking about not taking people for granted that there's a lot of these designers in the scene who only want to work with people who they think are going to benefit them that are already a big name that are going to be on TV. But I'm like, you never know who you're snubbing. Who's going to be famous later. And the way that I met honey was her manager who manages some other of my clients messaged me being like, Hey, honey's doing this pageant in like three days. Her costume designer had, I think it was like a stroke or an aneurysm or something in in the hospital in a coma. With all of the half finished costumes still locked inside his apartment and nobody had access to them and they weren't finished and there was no way to finish them. So she was like, I have no time. I have no money. I really need something for this pageant. Can you help me? I know it's a stretch, but I I just I'm really desperate, please. (laughs) So I was the one who said yes. Somehow I turned out a dress in a day and a half. Sent her on her so, way.
3: You know those <laughs> like, it, this, <laughs> that is that can somehow. happen. Yeah. This is like a typical behavior for you.
2: This one was especially Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like we bought the fabric, I got home, I sewed for ten or twelve hours straight and dropped it off the next night. Oh my god. Um and then I think it was like a month or two later she got the call. And then at that point, I was her go-to designer, where she was like, I want you to have first pick of any of these themes that you want to work with because I trust you and I appreciate what you've done for me and I really want to pay you back for helping me. So, Aww, so, it, that's it, so, so do you
3: think that's how it's going to be during the season as well?
2: She's told me that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's
2: awesome. <laughs> yeah. So this is like, I want to get one of my pieces on these red carpet events because those you get better photos from than the ones that are actually on the show. So so we'll see.
0: <laughs> That's um, so exciting.
2: Yeah. But the Janelle Monet one was, we had talked about it before she left for filming. And then that was the first thing I made for her when she got back. And um, she wrote this whole thing on Instagram yes. about um, honoring women, honoring trans people, because, you know, honoring bodies that are usually rejected within the gay male community because that's definitely a thing (laughs) Uh, and she's great she's a true activist for women for trans people for people of color Um, I don't know if you saw there was this whole thing where the bar that she was working at the manager was texting the event manager that he didn't like that there were so many black people on the flyer because he said it. Yeah. So he says, I need you to change the flyer. It looks like we're promoting black night and that's bad for business. Oh my God. So she found out about this and got on stage at her show, riled up the crowd. Hi, how's it going? Is everyone ready to see me perform? Are you excited for this party? Well, guess what? You're not going to see me perform because I can't perform here anymore. Explained what had happened dropped the mic, walked off the stage, and most of the room followed her.
3: That's fucking amazing. <gasps> wow. Yeah, that's amazing. That's good yeah. for Music them and good for her. That is amazing. Yeah. I mean, so do you want to talk about just in general um, kind of racism in the fan base of drag of the drag community?
2: Yeah, I don't know what it is about this fan base that brings out these reactions to people, but you know, I saw a week or two ago, like on one of Monet's photos, where like she was wearing something I made. So I was like going through the comments, and then someone was like, "Oh, like you big ugly ape, you're never gonna win." It's like, <gasps> oh my god! What? Jesus! Like, and I don't know what makes people think it's okay to say those things. Like the fandom is awful. There's something very toxic
0: about the yeah. fandom, and I'm not sure. It well, you can you see that toxicity in like. Um, Nerd fandom. Yes, yeah, you see like gatekeeping and everything. But I think it's a... The audience is very young, I think, also. So they don't quite know... They haven't learned a lot of things. Mm. Some Sometimes they're just, like... Privileged white women who just love watching drag queens, but only white ones or you know it's yeah like, like i yeah. like
3: i was seeing a post that um I believe bob the drag queen made mm-hmm. about how only Do they go by them or she or do you know she she so so only she so only she and rupaul have over a million followers mm. whereas yep. there are like tons of like skinny white drag queens yep. who have over a million followers
2: yeah, I was surprised. Last time I checked Monet's page, she had less than 500000 which I was shocked. Yeah. So, I don't know. I can't explain it. I don't agree with it. It's definitely a problem. Luckily, yeah. a lot of people have spoken out about it. Um, Asia O'Hara, who was on season 10, did this whole statement. So she made top four. And she felt like she was very victimized by this whole racist fan base thing, and apparently people were sending her death threats and, like, threatening to light her on fire. What? What? Yeah. And this was, like, right before Pride. So she spent all... So they have to do all these appearances as part of Drag Race. So for all of her Pride performances, she was doing these looks that they were, like, the face was covered, so it went from, like, solid black to black lace to red lace to solid red... And it was like this whole and she didn't speak in any of the interviews. She just sat there. And it was this whole statement of, you know, you're acting like we're invisible, you're acting like we don't matter. Let's see what happens when I remove my presence from this narrative. So
0: that's why she was wearing a black yes. lace
2: <laughs> head
0: yeah, piece. Oh that's an amazing statement.
3: Yeah, because mm-hmm. like yeah. I I know that it bothers me that RuPaul does not come out and say anything about this. Mm-hmm. Because there's such an influential person like they are the they're they're the most famous drag star in the world yeah like (laughs) like like i it's 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 very uh odd that they would not come out in defense of other black drag queens to be like this Mm -hmm. is not okay to treat them like 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 token people on the show like and yeah. to be like openly like overtly racist towards them on their instagrams and like that's in a lot
2: and rupaul has even i believe defended performers who perform in blackface oh
3: my god yeah uh <laughs> yeah so so um I, you know i also want to talk about Jeffree star a little bit just because like mm-hmm. you know like Je- like Jenny was mentioning that like oh like maybe some of these fans are just too young to understand like like Jeffrey star is very involved in the drag community if you go to dragcon his booth takes up almost an entire aisle yep like it is unavoidable and the and the, they're they're racist they're just straight up. like i he put out a video when he was I uh, I believe he goes by he. 19 years old. W- with a character in blackface saying he needs to acid wash her the, her face. Yeah. And, like, yelling the N-word and, and saying ape and, all like, all this problematic stuff. I... No. I don't know any 19-year-old who thinks that's okay other than these, like, fucking um, college kids in the news right now. Um, <laughs> but But, like... I find it, I found it painful when I when I vented at DragCon that Jeffrey Star was so promoted there.
0: Yeah, and like you especially said, especially
1: in the, oh, go ahead, Jenny. Like
0: they have they have very young fans who are going to be influenced by how and
3: like yeah, what oh, they uh, see. And what I was trying to say was, I'm sorry. Like he he issued an apology, but it was an apology that was basically like, oh, I was young, I didn't know any better. You know better mm-hmm. when you're 19, not to have a video of someone in blackface. Mm-hmm. But even to I, say I don't know any
1: better is the wrong. That's way not an apology. To yeah, say, it's not an apology. It's just you excusing your own behavior. You should come out and say I've learned from this, or this is what I've done to change, or this is what I've done to better myself. Saying, well, I think they did, but they, oh, they said, but they still said, "Oh, I was,
3: I was young." It's, it's, I don't kind care. Of like... There are enough people in the world designing makeup that this person does not need to be famous. I
0: don't right. think they've learned either. So, like, <laughs> like that I don't too. think so either.
1: <laughs> like, you know what really bothers me a lot um, I'm I'm out I'm bisexual um, one of the things that does bother me a lot within like the queer community the LGBT community just in general is how racist it is and that's why I ca- tend to only surround myself with other queer people of color as opposed to more white people because when you think back to how gay rights started it was by a mm-hmm. black drag queen and I'm just like what are you all doing like you wouldn't be you wouldn't have the rights you have today and you would definitely not be able to be able to live this life had it not been for Marsha johnson so like take a step back and really look at your history before you you partake in such toxic behavior because at Mm -hmm. the end of the day it's just going to make things worse for everybody
3: yeah, and like, yep. that's, so that's something, like, I really loved about, uh, to bring it back to your designs, uh, like, Honey Davenport's post that she just made on her page, like, in, in the, the pussy pants, um, because originally she was talking about, uh, celebrating women mm-hmm. and the female body, and there was a lot of commentary on there saying, like, well, like, what about trans women and, and whatnot? And yeah. then and then she made a follow up because she her her Instagram is is like a three series, so like there is obviously going to be more posts anyway. Like it's coming, it's coming, Yeah, So uh, it, it was just like a very inclusive mm-hmm. thing for her to be saying, like like basically saying like the, the drag community needs to do better by the LGBTQ community. Yeah, and then even the original
2: Janelle Monet video, I think like two of the dancers didn't have the pants on. To represent Mm -hmm. trans people. Mm -hmm. So it comes full circle.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I know that you're also a performer. Yes. Well, how do you get into it, first of all? Um, And how have you been received, I guess, by the community? So I kind
2: of fell backwards into it because I was making costumes for other performers and then I decided I wanted to be my own spokesmodel like back when I had a couple of clients but like not really enough to fill out my schedule so I was like I'm gonna go out I'm gonna wear my work people are gonna ask me questions I'll get more clients so I entered at the time like online drag competitions for amateurs were a big thing Is like based on RuPaul's Drag Race. So it's like, there's a mini challenge, which is usually just do your makeup from the shoulders up. And then there's a main challenge, which sometimes it's a look, sometimes you have to film a video. So I started out doing that to just like teach myself the skills. And then through there, I met people in the community who were also just starting out. And then we started hanging out, we would go to parties, just like get ourselves noticed. So then it was like, okay, like, you know, I'm doing these looks in my bedroom, I might as well go out. If I'm going out to the club, I might as well perform. (laughs) Okay, nice. Because people were constantly asking, like, where do you perform? Like, I don't perform. And it it took me three years of going out before I ever set foot on the stage because I felt like I wouldn't be well-received. But mostly it's been fine. Most of the pushback I've received for being an AFAB drag performer has been online I've only ever had one incident in person of someone like yelling into my face that what I was doing wasn't valid wow <laughs> and they were very drunk and I think they were just mad that like they felt entitled to the prize money that so oh it, it was, was someone com- else
3: performing
2: yes I th- so I it was, a it, crowd was it was a competition There were somewhere between 14 and 18 contestants. There was myself and my drag sister, who's also an AFAB assigned female at birth performer. And the rest of the contestants were male. Uh, I made top four with three other male contestants. And then I made top two. And then for the top two, it was like a lip sync for your life face off kind of thing, which isn't my strength. Like, I do very carefully planned performances. So, like, improvising based on a song I only sort of know, like, isn't my thing. So I came in second. (laughs) Um, So the other one won. She got $100. I got $50. Fine. And then one of the other contestants who didn't even make top four came to me in the dressing room and was yelling at me that I didn't belong there, that I was taking away time and spots and money from these other girls who deserved it more than i did because you know i'll never understand what it is to be (laughs) a gay man and all this other stuff and like you know this isn't drag like why don't you just be a drag king instead and like just hurling and for like over an hour just like chasing us around the entire (sighs) bar but other than that
0: (laughs) other than that terrifying (laughs)
2: situation yeah
3: like I know that it's a big thing and that like, again, like, sorry to pick on RuPaul, but like, but like they have made comments about how only men should be allowed to do drag because it's punk rock if a man does it, but not not if a woman does it, but it's just like a celebration and exaggeration of self. Yeah. Like,
0: I mean, in the words of fucking RuPaul... We're all born naked and the rest is drag. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, sorry, go ahead.
3: No, it's okay. I was just, again, I know that because I've been Facebook friends with you for forever, um, I know that you're very vocal on your page about being an AFAB performer and that everyone should be allowed. And you also don't like being categorized as a bio queen. Mm -hmm. Uh, So can you talk about that a little bit more? Like what a bio queen is and... Yeah. yeah,
1: I'm not familiar with what that is.
2: So, a bioqueen, which we're trying to move away from using that term, is somebody who's, quote, biologically female who performs as a drag queen. But the reason why we're trying to move away from using that term is because biological gender isn't really a thing. And, like, to say that someone's biologically female, like, if there's a trans guy, who's doing drag and then you're calling him a bio queen. You're basically calling him a woman or, and then you're saying that trans women who are doing drag aren't really women. So, you know, just call everyone drag queen. If you need to specify for like intersectionality purposes, you can say, you know, AFAB performers, you can say female and AFAB, you can say non-male, like whatever makes most sense in that context of how you're grouping people, but I don't think it should be a separate category of performer, just label based. I think if you're doing drag, you're a drag queen, you're a drag king. There doesn't need to be any differentiation based on your genitalia.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Because like you have told me many times that you have, that you talk to people and they don't recognize you at all out of drag. And then they're like, what that you, you're who I was talking to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I,
2: yeah, you look completely <laughs> different.
3: <laughs> when
2: I first started out, I was really scared to like tell my clients that I was doing drag because it wasn't as well accepted back then for AFAB people to be drag queens. So like I had two Facebooks. I like went by two different names. I didn't tell them. Nobody knew. I was tried very hard to make people assume that I was male when I would go out and drag just because, like, I didn't want to be clocked as, like, oh, you're a real girl, aren't you? And then just be like, no. Like, well, yes, you are. It's like, I don't want to have to, like, give you a whole lecture on gender theory at the club when you can't even hear what I'm saying anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, like, luckily now I've found a whole community of, like, mostly trans and AFAB performers who... You know, are very accepting and very enthusiastic of just whoever you are, do your thing. Cool.
3: Yeah, and I I know that you're, you know, pretty close with uh, Sasha Valore. She's
0: the winner, uh, of, yes. and <laughs> the winner of season and I nine. Know, yeah. I,
3: and you, you've been vocal about how um, positive they are towards yes. like the trans community. And that's one of the reasons why you've told me you look up to her so much. Mm so can you like tell us your little like meet cute story of how you met yeah um i'm so excited i'm so excited (laughs) i'm pumped
2: i'm ready so i found out about sasha around the same time that most of the world did when the video of her performing her cellophane act at austin drag fest went viral across drag facebook and i think I assume that's the reason that she got cast on the show, because this was, like, right before the cast was decided. Um, And so after I saw that, I went through YouTube. I watched all her performances and just, like, (laughs) sat there for two hours, like, crying about how, how genius all of these performances were and how much they were what I wanted to be doing. And so I added her on Facebook. She added me back. We didn't really interact at all interact and then it took several months like nightgowns is one of those things that I would tell myself I was gonna go but then just n- it never worked out but then finally finally the stars aligned I I finally got to go to nightgowns and real and quick this night, was, nightgowns
3: is the show that... nightgowns
2: is Sasha Valor's monthly show where it's a showcase of intentionally like diverse and unusual I guess drag performances like it's it's a very heightened form of drag where it's theater it's performance art everything has like a statement and a message it's not just like you know twirling around to a pop song in a bar um but intellectual that's the word um so I went to that and this was a couple episodes in and if you recall, like, Sasha was barely in the first couple of episodes of the season. Yeah, because she wasn't dramatic <laughs> enough. <laughs> so, like, you know, her fan base hadn't really picked up yet, so she was just, like, walking around the room before and after the show, and I was at the show by myself, because I didn't know anyone else who wasn't as enthusiastic about her as I was at that point, because she, like wasn't doing that well on the show, nobody cared. Um so I went by myself and I got adopted by this group of people who were standing next to me and saw that I was there by myself and they were like, You seem cool. You're with us now. And one of them was someone who like told me their whole life story about like getting rejected by their family and being homeless and moving to New York. And like Sasha was one of the first people who like, you know, took them in and helped them out. So they're like, oh, Sasha's going to love you. Like, I'm going to go introduce you. So after the show we go, I say hi. And, like, I don't usually get flustered around the Drag Race girls because, like, that's my job. Like, I right. work with all of them. Like, <laughs> you know. But because she's been so influential to what I do, plus Nightgowns is a very emotional show. Like, I was crying the entire show. <laughs> Every time I've brought someone to their first Nightgowns, they've cried the entire show. Wow. It, it's like. It's a very overwhelming experience. I so I I'm, wanna go. It's yeah. in Brooklyn? It is. Yeah. Okay. You guys should
3: go together. Yes. Should. Yeah. I want to <laughs> go in LA. I do
2: too. Um and there's videos of some of the past ones online, if you wanna check those out. So I go over to her and I'm just like babbling of like <laughs> you know, you're so inspirational to me. Thank you so much. Blah blah blah. By the way, I do drag also. And then she stops me. She goes, wait a minute, what's your name in drag? It's like, like, oh my god, I've watched your videos, I love your performances, you're amazing, oh my god, Like, I'm so happy to meet you. It's like, ah! So she knows you, she knew
1: you were then by this
2: point. Uh, things were kind of just there for a while, and then I went to, so it was right after she won, it was the Friday, I think, of Pride Weekend, And then she had a pride-slash-birthday-slash-coronation-party-show thing to replace Nightgowns that month. So I went to that, and then everyone who I knew was in the VIP section, because that was where all the other performers were. So they just, like, snuck me into the VIP section. Nice. And then, you know, Sasha comes into her little section after the show, Doesn't seem to have a problem that I'm there. (laughs) She's happy to see me. I asked if I could have a photo with her, and she was like, I told everyone no photos, but for you, sure. (laughs) So so we're taking our photo, and then I'm telling her about how much going to Nightgowns for the first time a couple months back affected me. I'm telling her about one of my acts that I had created based on that experience and what I had learned there and what I wanted to take from it. And how to put the essence of that show into my own drag. Because at the time of that show, I was kind of in this weird in-between state of, like, kind of being too weird for the scene that I was in. And, like, not sure whether I should, like, go more mainstream with what I was doing to fit in. Or if I was just, like, too weird and I shouldn't even try. Um, So seeing that show seeing that there was a space for people who were doing what I wanted to be doing kind of empowered me to go full weird yeah (laughs) you're actually so
3: good so I'm really happy you stuck with that (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) when I look back at what I was doing when I first started out like I would never do (laughs) some of that now I was like trying really hard to just like fit in So there's like, there's the Manhattan scene, which is more like top 40, dancing, sparkly costumes, and then the Brooklyn scene is a lot more towards conceptual. It doesn't matter as much if people recognize the song. That sounds like
1: a good description of the Burroughs.
2: So the acting question is like me (laughs) wrapping myself in electrical tape for four minutes. Um and it, there's more to it than that, but it is right. it's one of my more strange and avant-garde acts. Yeah, but it's
3: very good.
2: It's really good. Um it's so it's actually about like being consumed by your inner demons and like the weight that's been put on you, and just like being overwhelmed and pulled down into this darkness. So I'm explaining this act to her, and she says to me I would love to have you at nightgowns. I also really want you to make costumes for me. I've seen your work. And then, so here's going back to what we're talking before.
3: You're screaming Um, in your head. (laughs)
2: She, she knew me for my drag. And then Peppermint knew me as a designer. They knew me on two different names as two different people. Didn't realize that they both knew the same person. Oh my God. Until like months (laughs) later. (laughs)
1: Like, a parent trap situation going on?
2: (laughs) Well, you know what they say, it starts with sleep deprivation and it ends in a double life. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay, goddammit. So, this was summer 2017, I think? So, it took until October I get A message from Johnny Valor, who is Sasha's partner and business partner, who like helps her run her empire, (laughs) and um, says, Hi, like Sasha would love to work with you on this thing that we're doing. Would you be interested? It's like yes. So like they didn't say anything about what it was, and it turned out to be this film project, which at the time I was like, she she doesn't know who I am. Like, there's, I'm not anybody in this scene. Like, I'm probably going to be just, like, in the background of a crowd. And then I get there, and the only characters with names are Sasha, Peppermint, and me. Wow. And everyone else is, like, ensemble. And then at the end of that, they were like, oh, by the way, want to do nightgowns next week. <laughs> and then...
3: I feel like I'm going to start crying for you. <laughs> Even though I know all this already, I still don't <laughs> It's so awesome to hear you say it.
2: So my first reaction of what act I'm going to do is the one that I was describing with the electrical tape. But then I switched what I was doing to this other act. So I'll tell you about That's that. It's my act. favorite act that you do. <laughs> it's my favorite too. So it was originally conceptualized after Trump got elected. And just all the feelings of, this is the person who's running our country, like, we have a sexual predator running our country for us, and, like, this is our life now. And just, like, all the anxiety with that. So it's to you and your hand by pink. And there's just all these different layers. It starts out in a black coat. I have like a little like pepper spray that's actually glitter hairspray, um, so it's like I'm walking around at night, get to the club, take the coat off, and then I have this red dress that's covered in white handprints, and then the white handprints all come off one by one, and then then I get into an altercation with this other person as the audio clip of Trump saying, you know, grab bar by the pussy is happening so the dress gets ripped off and then I'm in a black bodysuit with red hands so this one is just three like two on the chest and one on the crotch and then that's like you know the deep dark moment of like feeling violated and beat down by what's happening and then those come off one by one and then at the last bridge of the song the black bodysuit comes off to a nude bodysuit and then this has red X's where the hands were on the previous one and then it says don't grab me so it was originally about that. And then, you know, this is now a year or two later. So now all the Harvey Weinstein stuff and the Me Too movement is happening. So then I kept the mix the same, but then one of the big things that Sasha and Nike in general are known for, are these video projections that yeah. make the show more immersive and heightened than just like one performer on a stage so I made this whole animation with the hands that correspond to my outfit but then at the bridge of the song it turns into a slideshow about like the whole Me Too movement it starts out with talking about Trump and then it goes into talking about Harvey Weinstein and then it talks about like you know this is only a symptom for what's going on in our society in general and what does this mean for the future it just keeps building and building and then at the end of the act then it just flashes like full floor-to-ceiling screen like don't grab me.
3: <laughs> yeah I was super emotional watching just like a video like the video clip of that. I was like screaming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's, it's so so good. Thank you.
0: I was gonna ask what drag meant to you but I think you just described yeah.
2: what drag <laughs> is to
1: you.
3: Yep so that thank you thank like, you for doing that.
2: Yes of course. And that was my favorite thing about doing that show was like, aside from the obvious, you know, being in the most prestigious (laughs) drag showcase in the country, maybe. Well, the obvious is screaming. Yeah, but my favorite part about it is first of all, that you have this opportunity to take whatever you're doing and bring it to its most heightened form. And they will give you whatever space and resources you need to do that. And then the second thing is that it's not a bar, it's not a club People are there specifically to appreciate it as Yeah, it's expensive to get into, it, isn't it? Like, it's yeah.
3: not an all drag show Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's seated There's no house music There's no, you know, lights There's no, you know, crazy bar, dancing, anything Like, people are there to watch what you're doing They're not distracted by anything else that's going on in the room And they're there to appreciate and welcome Whatever it is that you're bringing to them which, you know, at a normal drag show, sometimes you have to fight really hard to like even get the audience to pay attention before they'll even give you a dollar. <laughs>
3: yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um and so so I've gone to a couple of your performances, just yeah, bars with you. Yes. Um, and you are you're known for two different things. The first one, which I want to talk about first, is the, um your transfer your transformation outfits. Which mm-hmm. you were just describing with that. Do you have yes. any others that are particular favorites of yours? I know Jenny loves the Magic Magikarp one.
2: I don't have a Magikarp one.
3: <laughs> you, did a Magic Car- you did a Pokemon You did
2: a Pokemon one. Like, it was Metapod Butterfree.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, so that was actually the first act that I ever put together. So the way that that became the thing that I was known for was... So, as I said earlier, I was doing these online competitions. And there I did a couple of lower level ones. And I did one that was like an actual legitimate pageant that happened to be online. And there was, you know, presentation, which is just like there's the theme, you dress for the theme, you introduce yourself. And then there was, you know, evening gown question and answer. There was a lip sync category. And then there was a talent category, which like talent implies that it's not just you lip syncing. So it was like, I don't know, like, I'm not really a performer. Like, at this point, I had never been on stage before. So it's like, I don't know what my talents are. And then one of my good friends was like, why don't you do a fashion show? So my talent video ended up being, it's a lip sync, but it's... um, So the song is Grace Kelly by Mika. And in the song... I remember
1: that yeah, so, song.
2: So in the it's song, a while. he mentions all these different colors. So I had... It starts out in the black and white outfit, and then there's, you know, brown, red, blue, purple. I forget. There was, I think it was like nine different looks, and then it ends with a rainbow look. So like the video is just cut to all these different colors throughout the video, and it's like all edited together. So it's like it's it's a lip sync video, but it's also a showcase of all my different costuming. So then that became my thing. First, <laughs> first, it came out of insecurity of, I don't think I'm a good performer, so I'm going to put as many reveals and tricks into... Th- Three minutes as I can to distract people from the fact that, like, I can't dance and I, don't, and I don't know what I'm doing. But then it also became this thing of, you know, I'm a costumer, so I'm gonna fit as many looks as I can into this three minutes to show off what I can do as an advertisement for myself. But it's I feel perfect. Like that yeah. is
1: also a performance yeah. to be able to yeah. transform <laughs> on stage while performing.
2: Well, it's funny because I viewed it as a crutch for a very long time. But then I was talking to a friend of mine who, you know, just wears a little skimpy bodysuit, but then is like doing backflips and flying across the room. Like she works as a gymnastics teacher during the day. So like, that's her thing. She's like doing backflips across the bar. And then I was, I said something to her, like, I could like never do what you do. I can barely like twirl around in a circle. And then she was like, yeah, but I could never do what you do. Like, I don't know how you come up with that. Exactly. Yeah. So then that's what made me realize, like, oh, this isn't just me, like, making excuses for not being a good performer. Like, I should lean into this and embrace it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's such an incredible talent. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the Pokemon one came from... I was making a transformation outfit for one of my clients where she does sell Block Tango from Chicago, oh my gosh so she plays all the characters and then each time it switches characters she has a wig change and a costume change so her name is Pattaya Hart she did this number um, for Miss Continental which is one of the top drag pageants in the country and she made I think top 3 or top 5 but she won best performance for the night with that act it's really good (laughs) Um, so I was making this outfit for her and it's A dress that flips down into another dress, and then that tears away, and then there's a bodysuit underneath. And then, so it's like, oh, this is a fun concept, like, this would work really well for a Pokemon evolution, with the three steps. Yeah, perfectly. So then I was, like, trying to think what I could do with that, and then one of my friends who does shows in Albany was like, by the way, we're having this Pokemon-themed show, you should come. And originally it was just like, oh, you should come hang out. But then they were like, message the host and like, see if you can get a ride up there, blah, blah, blah. So I messaged her, It's like, hi, I heard you're picking up performers from New York City. Like, do you have extra room like to come? She goes, are you asking to perform? So I go to my friend. At this point I'd never performed before. So I go to my friend and I was like, what do I say? And she's like, say yes, do that thing you were telling me about. <laughs> so then I just like, make this outfit, go do this show. My name is, like, at the top of the flyer. Whoa! Um, (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Which, like, I just have to, like, pretend I know what I'm doing. And then, like, months later, I was like, by the way, like, thank you for (laughs) giving me my first performance. And she had no idea. That's awesome. I
0: mean, fake it till you make it. Whatever. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Are there any other queens who really love utilizing your transformation outfits?
2: Not so much. Monet really likes her tearaways, but that's basically just, like, you know, there's a big kaftan or like a skirt thing and it's just like tears away into a bodysuit. Right. That's her that's her thing. Um. I've I've heard <laughs> she loves bodysuits. Yes.
1: <laughs> Not to deflect from tearaways, um or from what you're costume designing, but have you ever like um been on Instagram and saw Designer Daddy? Yes and yes. seen he- Yes, I love all of his transformation dresses. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like I want to be a child again, or I just want this, all of this in adult size. Yeah. Please make this an adult size. (laughs) I
3: I think he does make them an adult size, but you know, Mm -hmm. I think his wait list is probably. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: The wait list. I'm like, when I get married, know where I'm going to, when I get married, if I want to look like a legit princess. Yes.
0: (laughs) I was just thinking about, uh, all stars Two And their uh, two in one outfits. Mm -hmm. And honestly, none of them did such a good job except for Fifi O'Hara. Yes, who, God, Fifi but be, is so good. Com-
3: I love her Instagram.
0: She comes, she co- she comes from a cosplay ish background. Yes, like and, yeah, and it like it transforms so completely, and it was really good.
3: Mm-hmm. On her Instagram, she did like I think like a year's worth of yes, yeah, like cosplay makeup, of the characters. Mm-hmm. It was. Of, so,
0: well, of drag, yeah. but that included
1: cosplay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I mean, yeah. she did. Well, that- she did the real monsters, and I was like, "Holy yes. shit! Oh my gosh!" <laughs> like,
1: I haven't thought about that. in her, oh my, her years. Bowser is
3: like my favorite thing. Are there any uh, other queens that you like work with? Are there any queens that you work with that you don't make outfits for that you love and want to shout out? I know. I, I know. I know one. Oh, okay. That you, your best friend.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, so my drag sister, her name is Violet Tendency. She's nice. Yes, she's also an afab queen, and she runs, which is the show that I'm doing next week. Um, it's called, not gay isn't happy, but queer isn't fuck you, and it yeah. is a <laughs> trans, poc, gender nonconforming, afab centered drag show that's like punk and alternative themed and it's the only one of its kind in Manhattan it's a lot of the performers that we get there it's their first time performing in Manhattan that they're in their little Brooklyn bubble so we're bringing something that Manhattan doesn't usually see here we come yes (laughs) (laughs) and then what's especially cute is she tries to bring um, per show, like one Manhattan performer to give them a chance to do something that's not top 40 that they wouldn't get a chance to do with their regular show. So it goes both ways.
3: Nice. That's great. Yeah. I, d- I just will forever remember the show that you brought me to that I, I think Sasha Blore was hosting it at like some little bar. The one with the with the, the Gandalf performance
2: What no. <laughs> no, Sasha wasn't there, but this was <laughs> it was this like five hour long show. It was like a show. It
3: was so. It was so good. All five hours was, were the best thing I've ever seen yes. in my
2: life. <laughs> um, her name is Vivian V. She had the show called Bordello. This was the show had been going on for several years, and this was the finale. So they basically brought back like everyone who had ever performed at that show. Every act was the most ridiculous, over the top <laughs> so, thing I've ever seen. So good. <laughs> it's still one of the best shows
3: I've ever who, been. to. Who, who's that performer that I love? Uh, what, Leave alone? Yes. 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 That was I think that was the best act I've ever seen. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so he does he, Gandalf the Great, and Gandalf the White as a metaphor for being a trans person. Nice. Okay,
0: so we're gonna take a quick break for an ad and then we'll be right back. Hey Arkita, let's talk about Little Petal.
1: Yeah, definitely. I love those dresses.
0: Yeah, I love that you can get a dress based on any character in pretty much any fandom.
1: Yeah, and you know what's so great is that they're going to fit perfectly because they're all custom-made to your measurements.
0: Yeah, I hate going to the store and trying on 100 shirts that fit awkwardly in my shoulders or on my waist. I know. Yeah, it's so uncomfortable and so frustrating. It is.
1: And you want to know what's even better? What is that they have pockets like yes. actual snack size pockets <laughs>
0: Yes, and they're pretty much for any body size. And pricing is never based on size.
1: And you know what's cool about the dresses is that they are all convertible, so you can mix it up any way you want. And there's over 40 tutorials taught by the customers on the Little Petal website. They look like
0: completely different dresses depending on how you tie it up, which is amazing. Yeah,
1: I'm excited to be strapless.
0: (laughs) Of course you are. (laughs) (laughs) And impressively, they can... They can hold up the most uh what's the right word? Gifted chests. <laughs> well endowed. Well endowed <laughs> chests. Um <laughs> And uh I I also love that you can wear the dresses pretty much anywhere. You can wear them to conventions, you can wear them to work, you can wear them to parties.
1: Yeah, it's like an easy, casual, non committal cosplay. Usually they're
0: still recognizable. So yeah. You can have a really cool Iron Man dress because it's red and gold and it has it in the right places, or a Harley Quinn dress that's red and black but- and is totally recognizable as a Harley Quinn dress.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited for my Ravenclaw dress to come because I bought it at Dragon Con, and I got a fit right there, got my measurements taken, and it was super fast and easy and the most comfortable experience I've ever had with getting a dress custom-made for nice. me. Nice. What about you? Do you have any dresses by Little Petal? Yeah, I
0: have the blue evening gown that Diana wears in the gala scene in Wonder Woman, which is very specific, but I love it, and that dress pretty much looks good on anybody who wears it. So, I love... Wearing that dress because it makes me feel super powerful.
1: You look powerful in that dress. Thanks, bro. So if you're interested in getting a dress from Little Petal, you can get $25 off your dress with the coupon code F-A-W on the website littlepetal.net.
0: Once again, that's the coupon code F-A-W on the website littlepetal.net. And their Instagram is littlepetal. Their Facebook is Little Petal Dresses, and their Twitter is Little Petal Underscore. And we're back.
3: Just to, like, keep talking about other queens for a second, but, like, so I a at con and Whitney came with me to set up my booth, because I, then I, I knew, I mean, you would get to say hi to all your friends, like, a day mm-hmm. in advance, and, like... Check out the lay of the land and see what was going on. And, like, so he like, walked around and introduced me to literally everyone. (laughs) Like, Bob the Drag Queen and Peppermint. And, I mean, it was wild. The amount of people who you you knew was wild to me.
2: My favorite part of that was I wasn't even supposed to be there. And nobody questioned the fact that I was there. They were just like, oh, hi.
3: Yeah, and, like, I... (laughs) I really loved the experience of vending at DragCon as much as I hated the Jeffrey Star <laughs> aspect of it. Um, just because, like, they the booths, they're just so incredible. They're like, like they're they're like fun houses and like yeah. like it, them like sitting in like a bathtub and like it. Just, the whole thing, their whole booth is like its own like individual theme, and it's very different than a comic book convention, which is what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. I've just I've just never seen anything like it before. Can you talk about yeah. those just a little bit, just for any uh, drag yeah, con so, fans?
2: <laughs> I think the first drag con, which was like very low budget, they didn't really know what they were doing. It was like not very well planned. It was just the queens sitting at folding tables. You could go talk to them and get a picture and get an autograph, whatever. And then they realized like the it's not really fair to like ask the fans to like put forward all this money and wait online for hours just to like get a picture with someone sitting behind a table so they wanted it to be this experience that people would be excited to be a part of and you know they have their good lighting they have their backgrounds it's like very much an extension of their drag an immersive experience that like you get your cute instagram moment you get to like feel something that doesn't exist anywhere else um one of the best booths that i've seen was acid Betty. it was this yes little, like, the, oh my god fun house
3: maze thing. yes that's what i was talking about it's so yeah good. i haven't and seen it
0: but i can imagine that hers would be amazing
3: so also i thought it was a... funny that you introduced me to her and i'm like she's so sweet and you're like everyone <laughs> does not like her i love her <laughs> and you like her <laughs>
2: and i was she like well does. i like her she's really nice yeah. She's a lot, but I like her. And it actually reminded me, so, like, a couple weeks after that was probably the most ridiculous transformation outfit I've ever made. She asked me for, she was doing this tour called Work the World, where each queen had a country assigned to them, that they did a little themed runway thing before or after the show. So she was assigned to Canada. And her concept for this, because, like, Canada's not really known for its fashion, was like you know, green card wife, like, running away to Canada to escape Trump. So she said, I want a Canadian Mountie uniform that transforms (laughs) into a McQueen-style giant poofy wedding dress. I fucking love it. I yeah. don't know if that's possible, but we're gonna try. <laughs> and somehow I made it work. That's and awesome. It's, it's probably the most ridiculously complicated thing I've ever made. <laughs>
1: yeah, because when you think about the uniform they wear, how are you hiding it in this?
2: It was very bulky, and then there's okay. like love a, a big <laughs> so I love that right. belt that like strapped across to hold everything in. I'm a big um,
3: Whitney fan girl, so. Yes. Uh, so.
2: <laughs> yeah, but that's her said awesome. at DragCon is like you so. First you go through this little shop that she hired several of the local Brooklyn queens and they all had like, you know, their little crafty things that they had made. So she was bringing other people from the community and using her platform to help them out. So you, you go through that and then you go into this like jungle section. It's like dark. There's like black lights. There's leaves. She has mannequins with looks that she's worn before that you can just like look up and see all the details on them there's a little video screen in the corner that's like a what's it called time lapse of her doing her makeup in different looks and just like slideshows and stuff so like you go through this whole thing and it gives you something to look at while you're
3: waiting online and someone
0: pops out from behind a
2: no
0: (laughs) oh so it's like
3: it's like hogwarts uh yes at universal like so exactly like while you're waiting for the ride like you can look at the whole Mm -hmm. castle
2: Yeah. Okay. So, you know, she was the only one, I think, that did that. But then you enter her room, and then all of a sudden, there's, like, rainbows and candy, and (laughs) it's, like, super bright and happy. Oh, my
0: God. (laughs) I need to go to DragCon so badly.
1: We'll go! Yeah. (laughs) this year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's nice, because now it's in New York as well. Not next year, this year. Sorry, what?
3: Now it's It's... in New York as well as LA, so that's Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Oh are you talking were you talking
2: about the one in l a or New no York I was talking or? about the New
3: York one, but okay. it used to only be in l a yeah.
2: yeah, so the l a one's in the spring and then the New York one's in the fall yeah
3: yeah oh, and also it's like, like in I September. Loved, I loved walking around with you because I because I got to see like all the outfits you had at the different Queen's booths <laughs> <laughs> so that was cute <laughs> seeing you excited about that
0: <laughs> um I wanted to also go back to the other thing you were known for, which is. Your drag as a black and white clown. <laughs> um, what well, what is your inspiration for that, and like, why why that uh, specific kind of look?
3: Also, real fast, I want to say that we we put in our Instagram story to please ask Whitney any questions, and that was like the main question that everyone wants to know: <laughs> Why a black and white Why? more than uh, one person Mira? asked that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, black and white has been my thing since like eighth grade. Yeah, it's like your
3: daily attire.
2: Yeah, like it's more than half of my wardrobe. Yeah, so I don't know. That's always been my thing. I really like graphic prints, bold colors, bold lines. Um, I've also really been into clowns and circus stuff since I was a kid. Like, apparently, the wallpaper that I picked out in my bedroom when I was three years old was circus themed. Um, in like first grade, we had to do a thing where we traced ourselves on styrofoam and then decorated it. And I made mine a clown. <laughs> like I don't, what? I can't explain where that came from. It's just always been something that I've been interested something in. Something happens when yeah. you're young. <laughs> like when I was little, we used to re- like bootleg record all the Cirque du Soleil shows off of TV, and I was just like watching. Oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> I
1: love Cirque du Soleil. That's uh, what I thought I wanted to do when I was yeah. younger. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm not.
2: I tried applying for their costume department several times, but I never heard back. But that's what well, I But now should, yeah. you should just send him
3: pictures of like like Sasha and Peppermint and-, <laughs> and Monet and just be like Bam, I- you messed up.
1: Well <laughs> That was the smarter <laughs> thing to do. I tried to become a contortionist in the real life. <laughs> oh that was God. not the way that is not the path I want. My <laughs> bet my best friend
3: my best friend's partner is a contortionist and like mm. the um You have to have a lot of control over what you're eating and how much you're working out. And just, like, every aspect of your life is your Uh job.
2: Um, but yeah. The reason why I made it my drag character... So there's two reasons. One is just clowns in general, I feel like, relate to the concept of drag very... Like... A drag queen is a clown. You know they have exaggerated features, yeah, and they're performing for entertainment to, right? You know, make people feel things like they're a clown, um, and like I also like have this very exaggerated style of makeup where I, like my lips are always clown lips. I have huge eyes, and like instead of eyebrows, I make little triangles. <laughs> right. Um, so there's that, and then there's also specifically the pyro clown, which, first of all, like, is black and white, which is my thing anyway. And then it's also, like, I really like the archetype of the pyro where it started out as this, like, fool character, but then it got adapted over time through, like, the disenfranchised artists of the world kind of used the Pyro as their symbol for, like feeling misunderstood and disenfranchised by their community, but then still being hopeful and having aspirations of making things better that the character, the archetype is known for, you know, in love with this girl who's in love with someone else, but then he keeps pining after her. So it's like melancholy, but also hopeful. Sad clown. Yeah. It's where the modern day mime comes from. Right, um, And then I found this quote yesterday, as I was trying to figure out a concise way to explain all of this, that I feel like this just perfectly embodies. Um, I thought
3: this was a quote about you when you posted no. this. No, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it might as well be. So it says, "Pierrot, the sad clown with white face and loose white blouse, expressing slowly and subtly the absence of and beyond words emerged in the 19th century from his roots in stock comedies and pantomimes to become the embodiment of a certain artistic type a specific strain of artistic emotion sensitive melancholy and solitary and at once playful and daring in subverting language and suggesting the fraught but still facile and fluctuating nature of gender and i feel like that basically describes drag as a whole you know like Lip syncing basically is miming. Yeah. Right. If you think it, about is. It. it is. It is. <laughs> so you're using lack of speech or the distortion of speech to convey a message. And then I was trying to find I haven't yet what they meant by Piro representing the bending of gender, but I will take it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was just thinking. uh, (laughs) It is a very androgynous character. Like, even when they're depicted as male, it is a very feminine presentation and very emotional and delicate. And it's like a big, baggy outfit that doesn't really show the body at all. Right. Which is also something that I relate to as someone who's like, not cisgender, right. um, most of my clothing kind of, like, obscures my figure because I want it to be less obvious what's underneath. <laughs> shape shifting lizard. Exactly. <laughs> it's funny because there's several other, which I call, like, my long-lost siblings, um, Clown, and specifically Pirro-inspired drag performers throughout the country. So okay. we get mistaken for oh each my God, other. Interesting. <laughs> so there's this other um AFAB non- non-binary drag performer in Chicago who does a white-faced pyro character with like similar hair, similar aesthetic, but like <laughs> we don't actually look the same, but a lot of people thought that I was them. <laughs> wow. Um, So their name is Lucky Stiff. They're really cool. You should look them up. But then when we finally met each other, we... So we were doing this festival, Bushwig, back in September, which is... I've heard of that. Yeah. It was really cool. It was my first time doing it. So it's this big celebration of Brooklyn drag. And it's, like, two days long with probably, like, 100 performers and mostly it's the brooklyn scene it started out as very just like brooklyn but now people come in from other places so they were there from chicago and they just happened to schedule us out of 100 people like right back to back wow. and then we were, and both of us at the same time were like we need to get a picture together so people stop saying we're the same person i'm just i'm just imagining that you know that spider-man meme of,
0: yeah. of two spider-mans like pointing at each other yep it's very bad <laughs>
1: oh my god I know no one could see us motioning that, but you know it's it's that. (laughs) That's amazing. So, Whitney. Yes. You, how long have you been in drag now or been in this community?
2: So, I just saw on Facebook, a couple of days ago was the five-year anniversary of the first time that I went out to a club in drag. Uh, I've been performing for a little over, I guess, like, two and a half years. And then I was doing drag, like, in my bedroom on the internet for, like, a year and a half before I started going out. But then this becomes a complicated question, because... Haven't you been doing drag your whole
0: whole life? Exactly.
2: (laughs) Like, I can pull up photos as early as 2008, 2009, which at the time was just me going, I'm going to do a little dress up photo shoot to like work out my feelings. But then like, I look back on it. I'm like, this was drag. I just didn't know what to call it at the time.
1: Well, what advice would you have for anybody who wants to start doing drag or, like, get into the drag community since you've you've kind of been doing it for so long and it's kind of been your way of expressing yourself? Like, Mm -hmm. what advice would you give someone to get started on this?
2: Um, Practice, practice, practice. Just, like, sit at home. Play with makeup, figure out what shapes, work on your face, figure out your look. Start out just, like, styling whatever you have around or whatever. But, like, you know, build up a wardrobe, build up a character, You play around with things, see what you like, and then just figure out where the drag scene is in your area and then just go in drag, introduce yourself to people. It's a very close-knit community so most of the way to get into things is just through networking put yourself out there support other people's shows tell them what you're up to a lot of cities have open stages which are specifically for newer performers who aren't necessarily ready to be booked for an official show yet where it's just you can show up do a number whatever you want get the practice and then just keep plugging at it
3: it's basically, just show up,
2: yeah. <laughs> put yourself out there, practice, figure out what you want to do, and put it out into the world.
3: That's awesome. Um, so <laughs> this is an extraordinarily fun <laughs> just like fangirling out about queens and just mm-hmm. your life, uh, your drag life, but because you are a designer and you essentially own your own small business at this point Mm -hmm. uh i did want to talk about um burnout which we mentioned earlier um just because like you and i on our on our personal social medias have been very vocal about just like (laughs) working for like three days like straight through or like just like having having to put up messages or just being like I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean. Just please don't message me at all for a week, because if you do, I like I will snap at you. Like yeah. this is just, like, and I'm sorry. I don't want to. It's just that I am sleep deprived, and mm-hmm. so so I wanted you to talk about like what burnout is for you, and also like I know that you've been working a lot on getting better about saying no to requests for mm-hmm. commissions when you just know that you aren't going to have the time to do it, and. Just, like, put your mental health first a little bit. Yeah. So can you talk about that?
2: So here's how my past year has gone. January is the Glam Awards, which is the New York City Nightlife Awards. Everyone needs outfits for that. Then that was when we left for tour. I was gone for a week. (laughs) When I got back, (laughs) everyone wanted to talk to me. So then that hit. I had to catch up with everyone who I hadn't been talking to for a week Then we went into pageant season. There was like six or eight different local pageants that everyone needed costumes for. So I go through that, and then we go straight into DragCon LA. Everyone needs stuff for that. And then right after that um, was when season eleven got cast, so that I was working on that. And then that went straight into Pride, and then that went straight into making stuff for All Stars four, and then. Then that went straight into starting to work on stuff for DragCon. And then there was also... So the first weekend of September was Wigstock. The second weekend of September was Bushwig. DragCon was the end of September. And then it goes straight into Halloween. And then from Halloween, it goes straight into holiday. You have, you know, your Christmas, your whatever. Christmas shows start before Thanksgiving. So not really any break. And then it goes straight from there into Christmas, into New Year's, and then we're back to Glamour Awards. So I have not had a true break so you in, a, sl- in a year.
0: you slept for about 10, ten hours last year.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, and they just they keep adding new events that, like, everyone needs outfits for at one time. And they just – it's, like, throttling, like, over and over. Just, like, everyone needs stuff. I have, like, one day where I don't leave my bed, and then it, I have to start back over again. And then it just – Became this thing where, like, you know, when I finally have a moment to breathe, like, I don't want to spend that time, you know, washing the dishes or doing laundry or reorganizing my workroom. So, like, I'm just living in this, like, pile of garbage. (laughs) And it just, like, makes my mental state worse. And then I just, like, don't want to do anything because I don't want to be in the workroom because the workroom looks horrible. And then I can't find anything because, like, everything's buried under, like, layers of eight different projects. And it's.
3: Yeah, I know. it it feels
2: like you know you're struggling to keep your head above water. That like all I want to do is like if I had a week off, I could reset. Everything would be fine, but nobody's giving me that chance. Which like I I can't complain. Like you know I've gotten so many good opportunities and it's been a good year. But also like I would love some sleep.
3: Yeah, and I mean. Like, just based on what you've said throughout the podcast, like, it sounds like a lot of queens contact you pretty late in the game Yes. to make outfits well, for the... their shows. And, like, you want to be able to make outfits for them. Mm-hmm. The so then that is... means that you have to stay up <laughs> all night making those the outfits. The problem
2: is it's just the nature of the industry. Like, yes. it's kind of unavoidable that a lot of these things get booked less than a week in advance, mm-hmm. And then it's, oh god, I need an outfit for this specific theme, I don't have one, please help.
3: Yeah. And
2: there's no way around it. Yeah, but I know that you've thing allowed... The big is oh, sorry, that no. we're I'm all so dealing with gonna... the same thing, so people in the community are a little more understanding than they would be otherwise... <laughs> Because like they're also just like, I'm sorry, like I also have three days to get together my hair and my shoes and my jewelry and my mix and everything else for this. like I understand that it's not enough time, but like it is what it is.
3: yeah, and you've you've posted a lot of like really great things on your on your page about like respecting designers mm-hmm. and you know. <laughs> and like like and, and like the importance of like tagging your designer yes. on your social media and everything like that. And I also I know that within the past year you've allowed yourself to occasionally hire people to help you
2: mm-hmm.
3: when you have a project that is like an extreme deadline. Yes. So that's the good.
2: Big problem so I had a bunch of people working with me. Dragcon was like Dragcon New York was like the most insane month i've ever had i had 23 things due in 30 days wow half of of which were just due the same week (laughs) um and then it was after my schedule was already beyond full then all of a sudden sasha pops up being like hi can you make my outfit that's like the only thing i'll be wearing during DragCon, and also can you like costume three of the performers for night guns <laughs> and then peppermint pops up Goes, hi i need an outfit for all three days it's really important and just like everyone who like you know i didn't want to say no to came in after i had already said my schedule's full don't contact me so it's like okay
3: yeah you post about to um and i mean so like honestly it sounds like it's j- you're just going to keep getting more and more work it doesn't yes. sound like there's gonna be breaks i'll so be Have you seriously considered like either getting an intern or full-time hiring someone that way you don't have to turn anyone down? I'm working on it right now. The step
2: that I'm working on, which I think is also going to be good for my mental health is, um, getting a separate studio space.
3: Yes. Because
2: I can show you guys. You won't be able to see it on the podcast, but this is my work room. (laughs) Um, it's a big pile of bags of fabric that it just takes up this whole corner of the living room, but there's not really any space for actual storage. So it just never looks good. There's no way to organize it properly. I have these boxes of shelving units that have been in the hallway for over a year that I just like want to set up, but don't have anywhere to put them. Or time. And then exactly. And I just hate looking at this mountain of stuff every day and like, I don't want to hang out in the living room because it's just full of work stuff. And then I feel like I should be working. So I think it's going to be really good to have somewhere else to put all of that, that I can properly organize it, that it can be there. I can separate my work life and my personal life a little bit. And hopefully that'll help set better boundaries. And then also if I want to hire someone to work, I don't have them existing in my home.
1: (laughs) yeah definitely I
2: will say that as a
1: designer as well and I do work from my apartment and my apartment is a studio so it's all just one room it's living room bedroom sewing room Mm -hmm. it took me a very long time to finally organize that part for me like the biggest thing is like conventions and doing all my cosplays and once that's done and I want to continue working on like my own sewing projects for like my own company and I see what it looks like i'm like i don't even want to go over there it makes me so upset and yeah. i know i should be working and then it's like it's it's taking that moment to actually do it and it's like it doesn't and when i say when i do it i don't even do all of it at once like there's still a lot to be done but i'll start with one box and figure that mm-hmm. out yeah and I mean, I you should just do and
3: one. one at a time but it's also like it's continuous. Like, it's, like, yes. you're gonna... Yeah. <laughs> the more you it design, that, I know the you more need... that is going to yes. be there. It's... Yeah. It's not like once you finish it, all of a sudden, that area is going to permanently be it's, organized. Nope.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, it's never going to be permanently organized, but it does help to start with one thing. And then even just doing that one thing and saying, okay, I've done this. But um, that is
3: something an I intern can... could do for you. That too, yeah. Or, or when I say an intern, I mean a hired intern um, Mm -hmm. because you should pay your interns. Um, But, (laughs) (laughs) like that, like that is something that like you should not be focusing your mental energy on. Mm. Like that's something someone else should be doing for you because Mm. sound. If you're if you're turning down clients and having to do thirty dresses or outfits or whatever in like within less than a month like it's <laughs> you might be reaching yeah, i the don't point, even know how that's the growing pains possibly. point of well like needing luckily to
2: do some of my projects take three hours <laughs> so like there are days when like i wake up at 8 a.m and then i deliver things at like noon 4 p.m and 9 p.m and just like churning out things and then just like crash um so when i had several people working here during DragCon, a lot of it was just cutting, and then sitting around while I sewed it, and then sending them off to go deliver it so that I could keep working on other things.
1: Yep. That's like a proper assembly line. Yeah. Then. yeah
2: but they my, could also be my answering your emails problem, and stuff. Yeah. My other big problem is kind of like a control freak thing. Yes. I was gonna that's say every, it's pretty that, hard that's to give up yeah. control. That's why I have a very um, hard time
3: ever hiring anyone. Yeah. I only ever had someone work for me for like Three weeks, mm-hmm. and that's it. But at
2: least, like, I know you have different designs and you are making new designs, but you're mostly following kind of the same template, right?
3: Yes, but the the problem with yeah. mine is that no one can cut jersey, right? So like <laughs> the girl I had working for me for three weeks, I ended up having to recut out every single thing she did because every mm-hmm. no one can cut jersey. They don't understand how the fabric yeah. works, and even yeah. less people because- can sew it. <laughs> yeah.
2: For me, my problem is almost everything I make is a one-off custom piece that I haven't made before. So it's everything has to be figured out as it comes. And it it's hard to find someone who I trust to just be like, here's what's in my head. Make it happen. Like dig in my big box of patterns, figure out which one would work best and make a new pattern <laughs> like, so uh, by the time I would explain to someone exactly what's in my head how I think the best way to do it and how like what to do I feel like I would rather just do it myself so when I do have help it's usually like okay I'm making bodysuits for four backup dancers each bodysuit has 12 pieces I don't want to cut these out myself so I'll have someone just sit here and cut for four hours or you know figure out the layout of like it was like a Sports jersey style thing with lettering, so it's like okay, like here's how big I want it to be. Just like map it out, figure it out, cut out the pieces. But like when it comes to the actual design and assembly work, it makes me nervous to delegate that to anyone else. Well, that come, and that's where I have the problem.
3: Well, that comes with like having the person work for you for a while. Like when yeah. I like when I had the when I had someone working for me, all I had her doing was cutting. Mm-hmm. All I had her doing was cutting, and like I said, she she didn't do a great job at it. But she also was like, you know, brand new to it, like a college like kid. I'm uh, col- uh, sorry, a college woman. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> just a kid, she's probably like 19 or 20. Um, um, and just like I would, like, it's not like I was about to be like, okay, like I'm gonna have her sew these things, and I had to do the math for everything for her Mm -hmm. so basically like I had to like work out every single thing before she came in and then I was like okay like follow this exact like these like coordinates on the fabric basically (laughs) um because like like you everything is custom Mm -hmm. um yeah I just I, I do think it's very hard for custom designers to give up any control
2: I also have a good story going back to the previous topic Um, there's this other Brooklyn nightlife designer, Diego Montoya, who he makes a lot of Sasha Ballora's things, like all of her beautiful sequin things with the big headpieces. So the dragcon look we collaborated on. He made the bodysuit, the blue alien bodysuit that went underneath, and I made the dress that went over top. So we're at this fitting together and we're sitting and talking, and he asked me if I had a studio, and I said no, and he was like, You really need to get one. And he told me that because he blew up really fast like he was just kind of doing his thing in Brooklyn. no one knew who he was and then sasha kind of recruited him as her signature designer and then people saw what he was doing for her and all of a sudden everybody wanted to work with him and he told me i didn't realize i needed a studio until my friend had to yell at me that it was unreasonable that i got rid of my bed and was sleeping on the couch to make room for oh, more no. stuff yeah <laughs> no
3: it's, so, it's real it's like a real. So I was thing. Like,
2: Okay, I think I should get on top of this. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, like I have, like I have a like my studio space is in my house, but it is its own, yeah, room, it's <laughs> it's its own sanctioned area. It's the biggest room in our house. Like, uh, yeah, like I like I, I am no longer allowed to work in my bedroom mm. or in the living room. That is the area in which I work in.
1: And I feel like having that separation really helps with you mentally. And I think yes, I, I, someone told me about this years ago when I was younger. It's like, if you do work
3: mm-hmm. in your
1: bedroom, then you're always, you're not going to be able to sleep. No. Because you're only going to be able to think about work. And that's why when I design, I don't design in my bed. Like, mm-hmm. if I want to draw stuff, I'm getting out of my bed as soon as possible. And I'm no, going to sit you, at like my design table or sit on the couch or someplace like Yeah, that. I...
3: I think I talked about with Jenny that like, you shouldn't even like eat in your bed.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I think we were talking about Wait, that one of our photo shoots. No, I don't think so. Who the <laughs> fuck eats in their bed? <laughs> well, uh, well, well, I used to eat in my bed because in Brooklyn, I didn't have any space for a kitchen table. <laughs> so I just ate every meal in my bed, which is actually really funny because now I have a kitchen table. And Nort, my dog, it took him a long time to adjust to it. Cause he's Aww. like, why can't I be sitting next to you while you're eating? This is, this is next level terrible. Um, but yeah, I you're... would rather
0: eat on the floor than on the bed.
3: Okay, it wasn't anyone? <laughs> Sorry. I, I guess never remember really eating on the bed. In yeah. my life. Um, you know, eat ice cream. Yeah, but it's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But your your bed. It should not be for watching TV. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be for eating. It shouldn't be for working. It should only be for boinking and sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
2: I was it. wondering what, uh, how you were gonna phrase that. <laughs> we actually talked about that in my high school psychology class, and she was like, "Your bed is for sleeping and for sleeping." <laughs> yeah, like
3: it's, <laughs> it's yeah, like I'm I'm 32, and it took me until I moved to Texas to start doing that. It's like that is it. <laughs> No, yes. none of there's other stuff in the bed because then it ruins your sleep. Mm-hmm. It does.
1: It does. It really does.
3: Like my God, like I, like I used to, st- <laughs> like I used to stay up working to the point where my teeth would hurt so much that I mm. felt like they were falling out of my mouth, and I didn't realize it's because I was like grinding them while working because of sleep deprivation. Huh? So I'd be like sitting in. <laughs> I mean, well, I used to stay up for like literally five days straight working.
0: Yep, that's bad.
2: Yep. <laughs> I don't just know how that's basically that.
3: possible. Yeah,
2: I think but, the longest I've gone is like two and a half days.
3: But that's a, but yeah, like my teeth would feel so sore that I thought they were like fall out of my mouth because I was like like clenching them. And I'm like, why does my mouth hurt so much? I'm like, oh uh, because this is ridiculous and I need to go to sleep. Yep.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no that happens to me a lot. It's more just like Why do I feel so awful? Am I dying? Am I sick? No, it's because I haven't eaten today yet. Like, I should go fix that. (laughs) Uh,
3: Yeah, because once you start working on a project, I mean, I think all business owners can relate to this. And even not business owners. Like, once you start working on a project, you just, like, don't want to stop until you you feel like you hit that point where you deserve to go eat or, like, deserve to go Mm -hmm. to sleep. Or, But that's, like, not true. Like, like you're a human, that, and that's just, like, part of life. You need to eat. Like, yes, you need to it's sleep. It's half
2: that, and half, like, I need to get this done. I only have this amount of time. Oh, yeah, if, I know. If I eat, if I sleep, I'm not going to finish it, so I'll just do that later. <laughs> like, not realizing that if I lay down for an hour, things would go a oh, yeah. faster, because I'm just, like...
1: <laughs> I think one of the hard parts is... Being a designer or being, getting started on a project is setting that time aside for, your, for yourself in the middle of this to actually take care of yourself. Because, yeah, you can continue to keep doing all these designs and doing all these projects, one after the next after the next. But, like, eventually you're going to burn yourself out to a point where it's like you, you can't – just the thought of even having to do something else mm-hmm. – yeah i've it's like you're in a spiraling depression
3: yeah i've I've burnt myself out and gone through such bad depression where I just like ha- like w- wasn't able to work for like over a month straight and it's just like mm-hmm. and in your head, you're doing so much work thinking about the work yes. that you need to do that like i like I was essentially doing a full day's work just thinking about working. Like, so, like, so much of my mental energy was going towards it that I wasn't able to put any physical energy towards it.
2: Yeah. I also, I fall into this rut where, like, certain projects give me depression, just, like, for whatever reason. Like, any time I try to start working on them, it just, like, makes me miserable. And, like, I just Mm -hmm. end up not being able to function. And then I just, like, lie in bed and I'm like, I need to do this project, but then I get anxious thinking about all the other things that I feel like I can't do until I finish that other thing. Yep. And then I just like, am not sleeping. I'm not being productive at all. Like, Ugh. Yes, <laughs> so I, then it finally yeah. comes down to like doing that project that was causing this roadblock, like the day that it's due, it's just to like get it out of the way. And then all of a sudden, you know, the floodgates open. There. But then at that point, I'm too exhausted to do anything. <laughs>
3: there are certain dresses of mine that I get that way about when someone yeah. orders them. I'm like I'm like, Alright, I gotta do this one right now because otherwise I know I'm going to fall into that rut and then I don't do it and then I end up falling into that rut and I'm like, God damn, anyway, I just make
2: this dress. Yeah. And then I feel bad because it's like not the client's fault. No it's just like certain things it's just like i don't like the material i don't like whatever it is like
1: no that's how i feel when people ask me to make things out of spandex and i'm like (laughs) i
2: I look at that i'm
1: like wovens wovens is what i do i I do that i do
3: is is all spandex all the time
1: your dresses are so amazing and i'm just like I would wear this. I love this, but I'm like, I could never picture myself being able to do this. It's just, like, it's just a very me, different monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love wovens. To I love everything that comes with that mm-hmm. that monster, and it's so frustrating working in the fashion industry now because so many people are moving away from that, mm. not wanting to do that. I'm a corporate um, designer, and everything is knits, even in ready to wear. Just all of it. It's just all knits. and I'm just like, give me some woven dresses, please. <laughs> you know, just it, one it, cotton dress. Honestly, it's
3: because I think the fit is easier. It's just like it's the fit. She, yeah, it
1: is. Like, a lot of it's. You
3: fit. don't have to. Yeah, like. I mean, so like it's woven, fit, woven's are easier to sew. They are definitely. <laughs> I. So, they are. So, sounds like Wendy disagrees. Well, that's because no. you only work in spin. <laughs> Well, not, only, that's not true. It's school for evening <laughs> wear. I know, that's not true. <laughs> I was well, working. Okay, but, okay fine. Yeah. Silk. So it's funny because the only two fabrics that I ever really work with are either jersey or silk.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's like
3: the two hardest fabrics yeah. you can possibly cut and sew.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. When I was in school and we are mostly working with like silk and chiffon and organza and all this stuff everyone in my classes was very scared of stretch fabrics and, like, thought they were hard and didn't want to work with them. And I loved working with it. And, like, since I've graduated, most of what I've done has been spandex. Yeah. And then now all these baby drag queens who are teaching themselves how to sew for their drag race audition tapes like, only work in stretch because to them that's easier and, like, doing something with darts that, like, actually has to fit is really scary. I love
1: darts! (laughs) I so a funny story to bring it all back to cosplay i I love darts when i'm sure you've seen it the amazon cosplay i did years ago Mm -hmm. with all the girls um i was helping robin make hers with debbie and they're like yeah it's just so loose right here cuz we were working with like faux leather yes yeah. and i was like yeah you just dart it and they looked at me like what i was like a dart yeah <laughs> and the look of i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> on their face gave me so much joy because i sat them down and we all gathered around the little classroom oh. of robin studio and i was like so you take your apex line and then you draw where you want the dart to start and then you take an inch away from that because you don't want a pointy boob and then you sew them together. <laughs> and they it was like a funny joke for like a week. They're like, oh, I'm just going to put a dart in it because I know what that I is. I really now. hope
3: that they listen to this and it makes them smile. <laughs> ah.
2: So I saw this meme the other day that it was meant for cosplayers and it was like an alignment chart of sewing (laughs) and the three options going down it was like retail pattern duct tape pattern or no pattern and then my friends and I are talking about it and they're like where's the option for making your own real paper patterns and what is duct tape patterning
1: (laughs) (laughs) I still don't understand duct tape patterning I know so many people that do it I know people that do. I haven't met somebody that actually does it. No. <laughs> because I what, feel what the like, fuck is duct tape patterning? <laughs> <laughs> you went to Dragon Con, Jenny.
3: I really love when Jenny curses. She is the cutest
1: human <laughs> on earth. Can't stop them. Duct tape patterning is, so you wear a giant t-shirt, so that way you don't duct tape yourself. Or like, you wrap yourself in saran wrap or whatever. And then, if you're making a top, so you wear a big t-shirt and then you duct tape yourself in the top. So <laughs> when you cut it off, it's the shape of you. And then you kind of draw the pattern of how you want it done. Oh, okay. On your body. And then you cut out the pattern pieces. It's kind of like draping. Yeah. But... Mm. I don't know about Sure. That. <laughs> I guess it's kind of like... That. It's kind of like draping. It's i it's like somewhere between draping and pattern making. Yeah, it's like three D pattern making. Yeah, I get it now. <laughs> you know, but I think it's for people who don't have a dress room because yeah. I do have two, and I know what I'm doing and I know how to do that. But for someone who'd never learned how to like mark a pattern or like right. work with styling tape, I think that's a very easy and plausible way to mm-hmm. make a costume.
2: But like, I'd never even heard of it because like. I went to school where it's like if you're not precisely yep. everything to the sixteenth of an inch, it's wrong. Uh, yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which is why I, I love drag costumes because they don't care as long as it looks good from the outside. So that's why I can create something in three hours that like <laughs> looks good.
3: <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. And then the other. I love thing that because is... I, I'm <laughs> like whenever I work in like a better fabric, especially I'm like. The inside mm. has to look as beautiful as the outside. Yeah. <laughs> the inner beauty as we call yes. it. <laughs> the other nice
2: thing about drag queens is they come with their own understructure, so you don't have to like build a corset into it or anything. Mm, yeah. So, my God. That makes things that a is lot so easier. Nice.
1: Yeah. I made a corset last year. I made a bunny suit last year with boning in it and it was <laughs> I forgot what that feeling felt like. <laughs> Of wearing boning and being cinched
3: all the way in for an entire day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I definitely used to wear corsets and I don't care about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Tank tops and shorts are my dresses. I need comfort and that's it. Oh, or, or, or Whitney's onesies. I wear Whitney's onesies and I wear Booty and the Geeks onesies. I want one of your onesies. I love onesies. Uh, Whitney made me, we'll uh Whitney made me the best onesie in the world, which is uh, <laughs> skeletons on surfboards and... and <laughs> yes. ho- what are they? Hot air balloons? Or? They're just rainbow balloons. Rainbow balloons. Yeah, I own it. Amazing. I don't know why I don't know what it is, We're, but I, I love yeah. no, Daniel. it. No, A- Danielle. Every time I wear it, everyone is like, what the fuck is that? And I'm like, well, it is I think the th- best <laughs> thing you will see all night, that is what it is.
2: I think you what know, you originally told me was... Just pick the two most ridiculous fabrics you can find and make me something. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, because, like, when,
3: like because when Whitney and I would go to these shows, like, I I, I would always be, like, headwalking or, like, swinging from, like, pipes on venues and stuff like that. So, like, oh. I need something real weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so... Is there anything that you, like, like when you're going through, like, burnout or anxiety or anything, is there anything you that, like, helps you to get through it or, like, any phrases that you repeat to yourself? Um, so
2: there's two things that I do. I have this little ritual that I do that, like, I posted it on my Facebook, like, as if it was, like, you know, a meditation ritual or, like, a spell or something. (laughs) So I go for a walk. I stop, there's this, like, homemade gourmet donut shop a couple blocks from where I am. So I go there, I get a donut. It's like, they're really cheap. They're, like, cheaper than Dunkin' Donuts, and they're homemade, and they're really good. So nice. I go there. Well, uh, you have to tell me this yes. later, because I love donuts. <laughs> um, the place is called Mozdo's Do's in Greenpoint. They do ones where they just, like, crumble up an entire Snickers bar and put oh, it on top.
3: That reminds me of, like, voodoo donuts.
2: yeah. It's similar to that, Mm -hmm. Um, but cheaper. Um, So I go there and then, like, walk through McCarran Park. And then I go and I get myself, like, a bubble tea or something. Like, something that's, like, not super caffeinated. And then I, like, walk through the park. I go to the waterfront in Williamsburg and just, like, stare at the skyline and, like, think about how happy I am that I'm here. Um, There's, like, this one pier in Williamsburg that has this sculpture on the end of it and you can just sit there and there have been times i've gone there at like 10:30 at night and there's just a couple other people doing the same thing we all just sit there stare at the water stare at the skyline nobody says anything nobody bothers each other and then just like walk around till you get tired if it's during the day i like to just there's a bunch of little thrift stores in the area so i'll go there like pinpoint the most ridiculous absurd thing that they're selling go try it on for fun <laughs> Take a picture, send bunch to my friends. If it fits and it looks good, then I'll buy it. If it's, like, under $20. <laughs> um, and then just, like, walk until I get tired. Go home, take a shower, take a nap. And then usually I feel ready to get started again. And then the other thing that I do is just, like, go out to a show and see my friends. Because the drag community that I'm part of here, the Brooklyn scene, it's very, like, uplifting and supportive and welcoming and, like, make you feel um, validated in your best self, whatever that is. It makes you feel very seen and appreciated. And the good thing about what I do is that, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse, but more times than not it ends up being a good thing is that my social life and my work life overlap a lot. So when I'm working, I also get to see people who I enjoy being around. And then that makes things easier because, you know, working independently at home, it's very easy to feel isolated and feel like, you know, you just are this machine pumping out stuff like you don't get to talk to anyone, you don't get to go to anything. So then every so often, whether it's a concert or it's a drag show or whatever, it's like, okay, maybe I won't get enough sleep tonight, but I'm going to go do something fun that like makes me happy and it's going to revitalize me mentally and emotionally so that way even if like my physical state isn't as good i'll still feel more prepared to take on things the next day
3: that's great yeah so basically just like getting out of your physical space that you are in is what really helps Mm -hmm. you the most
2: yeah and doing things that recharge you spiritually
3: yeah that's awesome
1: yeah, that is great. So do you have like a website or a number where people in drag or the LGBT community can reach out to you to get help?
2: Yeah. So there's this really good organization that's specifically for trans and queer people. It's called the Trans Lifeline. It's um, translifeline.org and they it's a trans run organization for trans people who are struggling so they have a hotline where you can call if you're feeling suicidal or just struggling mentally and emotionally and then they also accept donations to facilitate you know name changes and getting new IDs for trans people who maybe can't afford it on their own or don't know the process for getting it and it's causing them a lot of struggles um, and a lot of the shows that I do here in Brooklyn will raise money for them. So we're constantly giving money back to the community for people who need help, who don't know how to get it themselves.
3: That's amazing. It sounds like the the drag community is very... Um, uh, it's like a big family, kind of.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, not to quote RuPaul, who's like... <laughs> dividing everything but RuPaul (laughs) likes to say as queer people we get to choose our families and it's true because a lot of these people like I'm lucky enough to have a family who supports what I do and like they're finally coming around to like understand the nuances of it all for a while they were just calling it like oh Whitney's doing performance art but like now they're understanding it and they're still accepting of it but like a lot of people don't so like their chosen family is their family like that's who they spend holidays with that's who they call when they have any sort of problem and like you really need to build those bonds to survive because those are the only people who understand what you're going through it's awesome well thank you so much for being on no
0: jenny's so happy <laughs> um can you just let us know where we can find you
2: sure um the main place to see all of my work both my personal drag and designs that i'm making for other people is on my Instagram. Which is black and white striped. You can also find me on Facebook. Um, it's Pierreta Victoria, P I E R R E T T A, V I K T O R I, and then um, my There's a link on my Facebook to my YouTube channel, which like I don't have enough followers yet to get a custom URL, so it's like this whole long garbled thing. Oh. But if, if all of you guys follow me, maybe I can get a <laughs> good
3: Uh And you should, because your videos are great. Thank you. All your, your performances.
2: <laughs> and then if you follow me on Instagram and Facebook, there's just a running update of what shows I'm performing at or anything that's going on in my life that you should check out. Sweet.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: That sounds cool. So
1: we'll definitely go and give you a follow then. Mm-hmm. You know? But... Thanks so much for listening, and if you like what you hear, subscribe, review, and rate us on our social medias, which are (laughs) Fandom and
3: Wellness
0: (laughs) on Instagram,
3: Fandom and Wellness on Facebook,
1: and
0: Fandom Wellness on Twitter. So come hang out with us online, and
2: be kind and take no shit. Yay! (laughs) Yay! Bye.
0: Bye!